This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's time to awaken an entire nation. I'll be your dog till I die. Between the hedges, look at fly. 90,000 in the stands, I'ma do my dance, make it look fine. Coach, put me in the game. UGA, yeah, the name. Yeah, the offense gonna turn up, but the defense gonna win us the game. Here's your host, Corey Burton. Welcome back. This is part two. Um, I welcome back uh, Dane Young from UGASports.com. Uh, part two, we're going we're gonna to focus on the defense now. Uh, the defense uh, who had lofty or is going to have lofty expectations coming into 2020. Uh, defense that finished, uh, if not at the top, near the top in just about every uh, defensive statistical category that's a tongue twister um, but before we get started Dane uh, thank you for joining me how you doing man man I'm doing well I guess part one went uh, well enough that we can uh, get a part two out of this I appreciate you having me oh absolutely you know part one is you know you talk about the offense there's a lot of potential over there and and so you like to kind of see it grow and blossom and you got a new philosophy so things are very very exciting over there um, a, a side of the ball that hasn't seen a ton of change um, is the defense side of the ball. You know, you, you look back at 2019, and it was absolutely impressive. And uh, so let's talk about philosophy, you know, with the way Georgia's defense operates. Is there any sort of major, minor shifts in philosophy that Dan Lanning's going to bring to kind of differentiate himself and separate himself from 2019 to 2020 as they grow and progress? You know, the word in 2019 was havoc plays. How does Georgia's defense increase the amount of havoc, whether that be through creating turnovers, tackles for loss, whatever it may be. And if you look at the tape from 2019 and Brent Rollins and I on UGASports.com, Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus, we do a piece called Film Don't Lie, where we kind of take the data from Pro Football Focus and then the film I that I have from being a sports broadcaster and, and kind of going through and uh, just really, you know, going through the tape and, and seeing what is out there. The main thing that I saw late in 2019 is Georgia is increasingly willing to blitz with defensive backs. And some of that is we trust that even the backs to get there. We trust the other defensive backs to cover what they have to cover. And that also means that they're Georgia's trusting linebackers to drop back in coverage a little bit more than blitzing through the middle. I think that's going to be the primary shift is Georgia has so many talented defensive backs uh, that you're going to see more than blitzing off the edges, similar to what we saw with Eric Stokes with the uh, strip, a tackle against uh, Tennessee that ended up being a touchdown for Taker Router. So I think defensive back blitz and pressure is where the havoc comes in 2020. 
Well, one of the things that can make that happen uh, scheme-wise, and we'll get to the defensive backs here in a little bit, but one of the things that happens scheme-wise, I, you know, I coach here in Nashville as well. I'm an offensive coordinator, so I kind of study trends in the defensive side of the ball just to kind of see how they're going to stop my offense. And uh, what I noticed uh, from Kirby is that they use uh, kind of a tighter defensive front. Uh, they call it they call it mint. A lot of people call it a lot of different things, but they call it meant where they drop those tackles into, you know, four eyes or even three techniques on you know covering the guards, and then they kind of just s- surround everything else with it. And I, you know, what does that do um, for defense as far as versatility goes, and, and what they can do pressure wise well, and coverage wise? Yeah, if you combine that with you know, go to the national championship last year, and, and Georgia did this in the SEC championship against LSU as well, but we got to the point about midway through the 2019 season where it's just like, how on earth do you even stop what LSU is doing? Because mm-hmm. they're throwing at such a high clip and they're throwing it to any receiver on the field. Everything was there seemingly. And so what you started seeing teams decided rather than using another linebacker, they were going to use kind of that hybrid defensive back. You know, I think back at Georgia, a guy like Alec Ogletree would have absolutely thrived in that role. And Georgia has a couple guys like that now, but Clemson specifically did it where you would see six to seven defensive backs out there at a time, just trying to find a way to stick with uh, the wide receivers for LSU. And I think that's a little bit of what Georgia's getting to. If you can combine that with, all right, we're going to take three defensive linemen and really have them just try to load up at this particular spot on the defensive line so we don't give up the easy run off the RPO, in this case, to Clyde edwards Hilaire, who could get eight yards off of that. Uh, and if you can neutralize that spot, it really allows those defensive backs to be aggressive. Uh, and go against the receivers kind of man up like you would like to, or even play zone in some cases if you're afraid of uh, kind of getting beat over the top. So, yeah, I, I think trying to figure out what LSU did so well and combating that, knowing that other offenses are looking at it and saying, all right, let's just do what LSU did. Um, I, I think that's where we're at in college football right now, and specifically what Kirby Smart is uh, doing in Georgia. Yeah, and it helps when you uh, when you recruit extremely well at uh, at all of those positions. But when if you, if you want to try to play a seven defensive back coverage scheme and coverage pressure scheme and try to match things, it helps when you recruit at a high level um, at not only that position, but we talked about in, in uh, part one with the offensive line. Those are two those are two positions that I've seen an uptick in recruiting for Georgia. So talk about let's talk about the defensive backs. We know what we got in Eric Stokes. Uh, his he burst onto the scene when he. I think he took uh, what was it, Eric or Joe Murr? What was his name uh, from Tennessee? Took it's a Tennessee, it was a Mauer, Brian Mauer. Brian Mauer, yeah. So I, I'm thinking of the baseball player, um, <laughs> but uh, took his soul, absolutely took his soul, and uh, you know everyone's kind of he's been on everybody's uh, radar. So outside of Eric Stokes, which we know what we got in him, he's a good coverage guy. What what comes in behind him uh, at the corner position? You know, at corner, I think it goes straight to Tyson Campbell as fast as he is. And before he got injured, I think it was the third game into the season in 2019, uh, he, he was having as good of a season as Eric Stokes was to that point. Now, Georgia's schedule, not quite as, you know, laborious as it is later in the yeah. season. Uh, but I think Tyson Campbell's that guy, and it's him or DJ Daniel. And the fact that you even can have that discussion is kind of wealth of riches at cornerback because both yeah. guys are going to get a shot to play in the NFL. Both are tremendous athletes. I think Tyson Campbell probably has a little bit more natural athletic ability and I think Daniels is a bit more of a scrapper the other thing that I've noticed is you know the beautiful thing about Eric Stokes is how many times do you see him get called for pass interference 
it's almost never. And that's such yeah. a skill, I think, at this point, in both how you cover receiver, but then also kind of how you disguise that where the referee is standing because you could – it's kind of like holding, right? You could almost call it on every play if it's press yeah. coverage. Um, so I, I think DJ Daniel has to calm down on some of the pass interference penalties a little bit, get a little bit more deceptive in how he covers there. Tyson Campbell is just a tick faster, so maybe he doesn't have to do that as much. Uh, so between those two guys uh, being behind Eric Stokes, I think Georgia's in a good position at cornerback to start there and then kind of broaden from that point as needed. Well, let's look at the safeties. Um, I've heard uh, Louis Cena's name uh, be talk, talked about, about him being a breakout star on this defense. He replaces J.R. Reed. Richard LeCount comes back for his senior year, which I think some people – it was probably a split half and half of people thinking he was going to leave and people thinking he was going to come back, and he ends up coming back to uh, to play his senior season. So let's talk about the safety position. How does that play out? Uh, who, who steps in with Richard LeCount? Does, is there a third safety that comes in that, that you feel good about? It's absolutely Lewis seen, in my opinion, to step in that spot. And, and frankly, I think he's going to be the breakout player on the entire team. Uh, I, I think he's going to elevate what Georgia got out of that position. That's saying a lot, considering what J.R. Reed contributed to Georgia. But I think Lewis seen is just an absolute uh, breakout star, future NFL star. He's a tall guy, big guy, lengthy. Uh, can get to any play. You saw him against Baylor making tackles in the run game, which J.R. Reed did pretty well. I, I just think he's going to elevate what that position can be, and Kirby Smart just has to be absolutely thrilled that you know he's beginning to find some of these versatile defensive backs like he would have at Alabama with Minka Fitzpatrick, and I think that's kind of the standard. I know Minka played star most of the time, but he could really play any of those defensive positions, and you know Lewisine could step in other spots as well. When you're getting behind him, I think you're looking at a Devon Wilson uh, trying to work his way back up uh, into the playing rotation, and we've seen him at star sometimes as well, but you know, I'm is probably bullish on Lewis Seen as any player on the team other than Jamie Newman. I know in part one, I just raved about Jamie Newman. I think Lewis Seen's right there as being kind of the next superstar uh, on defense. And I think we're at the point, as you alluded to with the talent that Kirby Smart is accumulating in Georgia's secondary, you're going to see a new breakout star every single year. I just think that he's recruiting at such a high level and then developing at an equally high level. Eric Stokes was not a high recruit. You know, he wasn't a, a, a most coveted guy on anyone's list. He was a speedster, local kid, uh, and they've developed him into probably maybe a second-round pick, maybe even late first if he has a great year. Um, so it's not only the recruiting of the talent, it's developing it once he gets here. And, you know, Kirby Smart is as talented in doing that with defensive backs as anyone in the country. Absolutely. And, you know, versatility is a key there. And, you know, you need some versatile guys to kind of fill that star role, uh, nickel role. So who, who fills that? You know, this is going to be interesting to me because you're going to have some formations where you play star. You're going to have some where you play nickel. You're going to have some where you play both. And that's when you get into that Clemson scenario. You know, the two guys I look at, Mark Webb, former wide receiver, he can, man, he's such a, a unique athlete and the amount of space that he can cover, but also he's a really good tackler and he gets to to the spot to, to stop guys and even stop them to wait for help if needed. It's going to be tough to keep him off the field, but if you look late into the season in 2019, Tyreek Stevenson, I mean, my God, uh, he, he really surpassed my expectations uh, because of how big and uh, physical he's such a good tackler, gets down in the box, plays dirty. You know, I think when you're, looking at defensive backs coming off the blitz. I think Tyreek Stevenson is the guy that does that probably more than anyone else. Maybe you get some of the corner blitzes. Tyson Campbell gets one or two because of his speed. But uh, Tyreek Stevenson, because of the size he is and the strength that he is, 
I don't think you'd have any problem saying that he could bring down a running back in the open field. It, you yeah. know, maybe Najee Harris gets around him, but he probably gets around most anyone one-on-one. So yeah, I look at Webb and Stevenson as being primary guys, but then I, mean, I haven't seen him play, but everyone says Keely Ringo coming in is just way too good to keep off the field. And he's going to have a spot somewhere. And I'm like, all right, well, where does he fit into this? And maybe Ringo's better than half the guys I just mentioned. I don't know. I, I'm going to be a little hesitant with any of the true freshmen because they're coming in really with less experience than any freshman has in a long time just because of the lack of camps, lack of summers, lack of being with coaches in person. Maybe Ringo surpasses all that anyway and becomes just an absolute superstar freshman like Derek Stingley was at LSU. So where you know he's one of the best in the country and it doesn't matter. If that happens, great. I, I just I'm not willing to commit to that yet based on what I know. Well, I mean, there's certainly a lot of, uh, you know, these guys are going to have uh, their work cut out for them as far as making a decision. So um, I, it's a great problem to have, I'll say, uh, to, to have this much talent, it, to distribute amongst safeties, corners, stars, and nickels and things like that. So uh, let's let's jump down to the defensive front now. Um, let's let's look at the linebacker position because there's a lot of different uh, personnel types that can, that can play in that. And factor into that, you know, you, you bring back Monty Rice, who is a great Mike linebacker, uh, tremendous against the run. You saw that all last season. I think it was up until the Auburn game where uh, Bo Nix was the first rushing touchdown they gave up. Um, and so many times you would see the first guy on the scene is 32, Monty Rice, uh, just stuffing the stuffing in the backfield. So kind of who joins him? Because this is where it kind of gets cloudy, but there's, again, a lot of potential with, with talent-wise. Who joins him kind of in that inside linebacker role? It's N'Kobe Dean, 100% to me. And, and when you look at the versatility that he brings, he's you know he's a little bit smaller. Everyone wants to say he's the next Roquan. And, again, I, I just don't think you find many of the next Roquans. Guys like Roquan Smith or Devin White from LSU a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, they just don't come around on college football that often. Yeah, it's so it's tough to find that yeah. inside linebacker that can cover the entirety of the field. I think N'Kobe Dean has potential to maybe be there one day, but we just haven't seen it yet. I will yeah. say there was a specific play against LSU – where LSU splits out Clyde Edwards Elair right up against the sideline, and Nicobe is the one that goes lines up man on man with him, and he covers him on a slant inside the field and knocks the pass away without getting a pass interference. When I saw that, I said, "All right, this guy may be the special guy that everyone said he was in recruiting." Uh, it seems like his personality really blends well with the team on that uh, Zoom video that I referenced uh, in our first episode talking about offense. There were a couple guys speaking with donors, and I think they asked Jamari Sawyer who was the best uh, dresser on the on the team, who kind of had the, the best outfits. And he laughed and he said, N'Kobe Dean, because he's like, this guy's from Mississippi and he just wears some stuff we've never seen before, which I thought was pretty <laughs> funny. And, uh, you know, so I, I think that's good that he has that camaraderie with the team, but he, he's fast, he's got good hands, he's a good tackler. I think N'Kobe Dean is a, is a budding superstar. And when you have him alongside Monty Rice, because they play the position a little bit differently, I'd say, mm-hmm. it's probably a good thing. You know, it's, I mentioned Alec Ogletree earlier when Georgia's defense had Alec Ogletree and Jarvis Jones complimenting each other, man, it was a beautiful thing to watch because Ogletree could cover so much of the field and allow Jarvis Jones to blitz. I wonder if you see a little bit of that from the inside linebacker where N'Kobe Dean can cover so much of the middle of the field and allow Monty Rice to pursue the sideline. Yeah. I mean, that'll be interesting. I mean, it gives us another dimension for Dan Lanning to say, okay, I can get pressure you know, I can open up 10, 10 more ways to get pressure because Nicobe Dean can can cover that much space in the middle of the field. So let's talk about Quay Walker. What does he, you know, kind of, how does he come in? 
Yeah, I think Georgia has a rotation of guys on at, at every spot on defense, and that's a good point to make. That I think Georgia had 30-something players on defense last season that had more than 100 snaps. And I don't remember exactly what the number was, and some of that accounts for special teams, the amount of times that players get in on that. I think you'll see Quay Walker in on special teams as well as a good gunner coming down the field. Uh, but I think he's behind Monty Rice and Nicobe Dean uh, at inside linebacker. It's just tough to, to get past them. But again, you got to have rotational guys in there. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're looking at uh, Ryan Davis may get in there if he's fully healthy. He can play a little bit of inside linebacker. You've got really a whole crop of guys that were freshmen in 2019 uh, that didn't find a whole lot of playing time on the field. Even if you want to go to special teams, you got a senior like Nate McBride. What if he has his breakout year and, and no one sees that coming? We've seen that before in college football. Do I think mm-hmm. that's coming based on what I know? I don't see it yet, especially with the talent above him at that position. But I'm just saying when you have a lot of good athletes on the field, especially two that good at the top, it's going to be tough for Quay Walker and others to break through to kind of get a lot of playing time. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, again, I, I say this, I feel like a broken record when I talk about defense. It's a good problem to have. You know, they, I think, how many people did they rotate last year? 25? I think. It was a ton. And it's like I said, when you include special teams on that, it gets closer to 40. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's impressive. You know, guys that come in that, that normally wouldn't get that experience now have some game experience to where they're tackling full speed and tackling opponents and things like that. So um, two names I want to throw out, um, Ojolari, Nolan Smith. You know, Ojolari, we know five and a half sacks. We know what we got in Ojolari. Can Nolan Smith be even better than that? I mean, from an athletic standpoint, they complement each other really well, too, because Ojolari is a bit more physical. Nolan is a little bit faster. So if you put them on opposite sides, you probably like what you have there, especially if maybe one's blitzing, one's staying back, and you have the star or nickel coming down from the other side. Uh, mm-hmm. Aziz Ojolari is the most dynamic pass rusher on the team from what we've seen. I think Nolan Smith is also, <laughs> I keep saying budding superstar, but they're all over the defense. Uh, you know, he, he's so quick. He's so strong. You think that probably with another year in the weight program, he's even going to be a little bit stronger to get off some of these blocks from opposing offensive linemen. Uh, Old Jalari is just solid, man. You know, he gets off the edge probably as good as any recent pass rusher that I can remember at Georgia. A lot of people look at it and say, all right, why doesn't Georgia have more sacks? Well, somebody goes with the scheme that Georgia plays on the defensive line and what opens up around there. And even then, Aziz Ojolari has just done a really good job of finding ways to slide around a guard, slide around the tackle, get to a running back, read the right play, get around for a sack. Uh, you know, Florida doesn't want to see Aziz Ojolari. I can promise you that, especially based yeah. off last year's game. I think Kyle Trask is uh, still having nightmares about 13. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Jermaine Johnson, former number one uh, Juco player coming in from Last Chance U. Um, where does he factor in? You know, he started 2019 by getting a good share of snaps at the starting position early on in the season. You think of the Arkansas State game, he had a solid game. And it just seemed to wane a little bit as the season wore along. And I I don't really know the reason for that other than there are other talented guys on the roster. I I think he's a contributing piece, but I don't see him being a feature part of the defense, which I think some fans – probably a little bit upset about that based on the expectations that he had and also the notoriety that you mentioned with last chance you I just didn't see him being a game breaker in in 2019 and so if you have the choice all right I'm going to have him or I'm going to have Nolan Smith on the field probably going to try to develop Nolan a little bit more based on what we've seen but senior leadership is a big thing and again when you've got someone that's been in the program now for going on two years and one of those years has now been disrupted completely by a global pandemic. Maybe you lean on that leadership a little bit more than some of the guys younger than him coming through. 
Exactly, and uh, there's no other position group that's going to need it than the defensive line. They lose Tyler Clark uh, to the draft. Uh, kind of who steps up in his absence? So Georgia's defensive line is really a, a funky thing to look at to me because, all right, you know Jordan Davis is going to play, but also he's not going to play every down, right, when you're looking at interior linemen. And he's, he's a bit different from what you're asking with Tyler Clark. What I didn't realize is that based on pro football focus, Georgia's best returning player from last year is Malik Herring. And a lot of our fans at UGASports.com were a little befuddled by that because, yeah, I know Malik Herring's a really good player, but you're telling me that he made more of an impact on the team than George Pickens did or than Zamir White did or, or any of these other players. And we're like, yeah, the numbers say that. And when you go back and watch the, the film, I compared it to Eric Stokes a little bit. So Eric Stokes, everyone says he's a great corner, right? Doesn't have a single career interception. You can't say that about many corners. But at the same time, that's like, all right. So that means quarterbacks are literally not targeting wherever Eric Stokes is. He has fewer interception opportunities. Some of that's happening with Malik Herring, where he's getting matched up against the team's left tackle that tends to be the best offensive lineman for most teams. The other thing with Malik Herring is he's not missing tackles. He's not missing assignments. He is as solid as they come to the point that he may be working himself to be a second or third round pick in the NFL draft. I don't see him being a first rounder, but Malik Herring is the standout guy on the defensive line. I almost wonder if he's been underutilized at this point. Could he have more sacks? Could he have more havoc plays? We saw it a bit against Baylor where he would just shove a guard out of the way and be there ready for the RPO, which is such a difficult play to do. He's the main guy, I think, that that replaces whatever Georgia's losing experience-wise on the defensive line, and then you branch out from there, which, again, ton of guys you can put out there, and we're hearing some more from these true freshmen coming in. Can you keep uh, you know, a guy like Carter off the field? I, I don't know the answer to that. Again, with these true freshmen, it's hard to tell. But I go Malik Herring. Jordan Davis is a playmaker as well. And then we see from there, it's been a little bit of a rotating cast on defensive line. So I, I think other than tight end, it may be the biggest question mark on the team behind Malik Herring. Right, right. So how much of the, the I guess you want to say it was non-spectacular but solid, how much of that is scheme? How much of that is just it's a, it's a group that just hasn't really fully developed yet? I think a lot of it ends up being scheme. You know, Georgia – it's so multiple what they do right now on defense where it'll be three defensive linemen going against, you know, five offensive linemen tough to create havoc out of that. Right. So then a lot of the spectacular plays come from defensive backs surging down linebackers surging down. So then it's, how do you, how does the defensive lineman win their battles one-on-one and affect the quarterback or get the running back behind the line of scrimmage? Malik Herring's done that more than any player on the team. So I, I think a bit of it's scheme. I think a bit of it probably was injury. And then in some cases, some inexperience, you're looking at some guys in the past that would have to have a year off and then come back and play, you know, a bit on the defensive line. Um, I, there were guys, you know, Justin Young was on the team, you know, what last year, the year before. And I forgot he was even on the team at all. And then you see him out there on the defensive line because Georgia rotates so much as well. I wonder if the rotation is something that Kirby, I mean, he looks at everything, but I wonder if that's something that he will evaluate and think, all right, do I need a bit more of a consistent rotation so I can have, you know, these four guys rotating in and out by the fourth quarter? because they play so many guys on the defensive front. You just wonder maybe they'd be a little bit better off if Malik Herring's in there for half the game. I don't know. Yeah, that's certainly uh that's certainly an algorithm that's uh, that's tough to figure out especially in a in a position as tough as a uh, defensive line. So, um you know, lofty expectations can can this defense replicate what it did a year ago stat-wise? 
you know, I, I think the first thing you do, you look at the schedule. Georgia's defense, in some cases, got really lucky in 2019 that, what was it, a six-week stretch that they played either the backup or the third-string quarterback for the opponent based on injury or whatever it may be, and that includes Kyle Trask, who turned out to be one of the SEC's better passers. I understand that, but would Georgia be as lucky uh, in terms of drawing that on the schedule? I would think that the SEC – East, at least, you know, the quarterback play doesn't seem to be overly spectacular right now, so that probably helps Georgia's defense. Um, you know, Notre Dame's not on the schedule, but Alabama is, and you know Alabama's going to put up points. So I, I think statistically Georgia will probably be slightly worse, but a lot of that's because Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith are going to score points against Georgia. I have no doubt that Alabama's probably going to put up at least 28, 30 points against Georgia. I just don't see how any team slows them down to the extent where they don't. So that's going to bump up a lot of averages. Uh, but I think it'll be close. Georgia will be one of the best five defenses in the country. And uh, it just depends on – they have the talent. You know, it's, it's the thing at this point, how do you keep them motivated? That's the coaching part of it that, that gets so difficult is, all right, you get to the top of the mountaintop, so to speak, in terms of, like, defensive effectiveness – but then how do you keep people hungry and fighting for more? You hope that the internal competition for playing time does that, but it doesn't always work that way. So we'll see. I mean, we've seen more talented Georgia defenses struggle, and we've seen less talented defenses do better. That's just happened over the last 20 years on different occasions. So how do you combine the motivation plus everything else to try to replicate or even improve what happened in 2019? It's going to be tough because the bar is high. Yeah, the bar is very, very high, and and uh, and a lot of it's going to be uh, strength and conditioning. It's going to be a war of, you know, who who did what during the off time during the pandemic, where you would see, you know, a steady regimen of, of strength and conditioning training uh, combined with spring practice and things like that. How how do you feel that Georgia has led the charge in that? Uh, do you think uh, Scott um, Sinclair, Sinclair has done a yeah, I was about to say Strickland. Uh, I got baseball <laughs> on my mind. Uh, uh, Scott Sinclair, uh, has he done a tremendous job of you know getting those guys ready and even keeping them fresh during the pandemic? I mean, based on his Twitter videos, yeah, right? I mean, he put yeah. out good workout tips for everybody. Uh, no, Scott Sinclair is one of the premier strength and conditioning guys in the country. And I'm not saying that because I cover Georgia or that I live in Athens, Georgia, you know, to, to do this. Uh, he's just one of the best that's out there. And he wouldn't be working for Kirby Smart for the length that he has already if he weren't. Uh, there's enough rotation in strength and conditioning coaches around the country that when coaches are dissatisfied, they make a change quick on that. Especially understanding that, you know, Scott Cochran, obviously was out there and is now a position coach for Georgia. And I know some people are thinking, all right, is that some weird competition? Nope, it's not, not at all. Scott Cochran, no strength and conditioning, but he's the special teams coach now. And there are just yeah. restrictions on what access uh, strength and conditioning gets because Scott Sinclair, like right now in volunteer workouts, he's around them to make sure they don't get hurt and that they're doing things safely. The assistant mm -hmm. coaches are there for, you know, schematic things and strategic right. things. Uh, so that's a, a very important thing to note that Scott Cochran is not out there for voluntary workouts. Scott Sinclair is. Strength and conditioning for George is going to be unique because there are going to be some guys that have come back a little out of shape. There are going to be some that come back in the best shape of their lives because they've been able to focus on getting, you know, strong and really nothing else at this point because online classes were over summer was going they could find a way to work out wherever they were but i'll tell you the facilities in athens are better than any of the players would find at home so you know whatever georgia's battling in strength and conditioning i think other teams are battling the same thing and you would just think that georgia would have a slight upper hand uh based on just how good of athletes they have in the program which at this point you're looking at clemson alabama ohio state georgia 
maybe Oklahoma just heads and shoulders above the rest uh, in terms of just athletic ability. Throw an LSU and Auburn if you want to, but you know it's it's a whole different thing when you lose as much as LSU did. Right. I mean, you know, it, it's it's tough to uh, tough to recover from those type of losses. So um, let's let's kind of look at let's take a step back and kind of just look at uh, how this pandemic has affected. Um, has affected you and has affected UGA sports and, and how you go about doing your business and, you know, how has it impacted it? And are there things that you do now because of COVID uh, that you're going to continue to do in the, in the future? Well, you know, for one, just in terms of access to, to football, th- there hasn't been football to, to cover in terms of spring practices that we would tend to get some access to uh, G day obviously didn't happen to be able to see what some of the players uh, could do, you know, you look at the depth that we've been talking about. G-Day is a place for that to shine and kind of see what's out there, to see what a Stetson Bennett could do when he has control of an offense if he had to, uh, to see if Duan Mathis is healthy, to see if any of these true freshmen are ready to go. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it is an exhibition. You don't learn a whole lot. But just to be able to see the guys out there having fun and playing, didn't get to see any of that. And so, yeah, that's changed. Uh, you know, I think that when campus fully reopens, there are going to be some strict guidelines in terms of, you wear a mask here, you do this. In some cases, I'm going to be surprised if media gets access uh, to almost anything in the fall. I definitely think that player locker rooms that media would tend to have access to, I think that'll turn into Zoom meetings, which is a little bit unfortunate just from the storytelling standpoint. Um, but, you know, safety first, and you have to, you know, everyone's got to take care of each other. Um, I, I just think that there's going to be a lot put on, you know, we mentioned um, – the strength and conditioning, there's going to be a lot put on medical staffs, uh, Ron Corson and his team, just to make sure the right protocols are being taken, not only by players and coaches, but what fans are around and then who do they interact with. The problem with it is you're dealing with college kids, right? So mm-hmm. if you're saying, Hey, you need to go stay in essentially what's like the bubble of your apartment and the workout room. Uh, I just don't think it's going to happen with 18 and 22 year olds. We'll see. I don't know for sure, but you know, the whole world's changed and, and we change with it. We continue to tell stories at UGA sports.com. We're uh, breaking down info that we have. I mean, I broke news last week that uh, Darnell Washington uh, had a minor knee surgery um, that he was getting taken care of. Some of that can happen right now that if it's going to be three weeks, get the knee scope, you're ready to go. Yeah. You learn those things with the workouts and you're good to go. You know, which is just hope you don't have any of the, the COVID outbreaks that just completely halts things. And we've seen that around the country from a couple of teams. But mm-hmm. that's why they uh, pay medical people the big bucks, right? Yeah. So does that uh, does that have any in- impact on the season? What's your gut telling you about as far as how college football is going to be played, if at all? I think it has definite impact. I mean, the first question is, all right, in a bubble, if everything's okay, do you allow fans? Because I can't imagine, based on what I know, that 92,000 people crammed into a stadium together is a good thing, considering what we've seen with COVID. Uh, all right, so if you don't have 92,000, how far do you scale it back? Do you go 50%? Do you go 25%? How do you determine who that is? Do you deal with no one there? That's going to be kind of eerie to have a big old stadium full of 92,000 people, but then no one there. Uh, from a media standpoint, are or photographers allowed sideline access to get some of that content and capture things? Do the national TV cameras get down there? Uh, there's a lot of questions left to be answered. Fortunately, you know, at the time we were recording this, we're looking at about, you know, eight weeks away. You'd hope you'd had four answers by six, but those days creep on down quicker and quicker and quicker. Um, one benefit that I think Georgia has, and this is an interesting one, the first game that Georgia has is on a Monday night. It's on Labor Day night, and it's not in Athens. So there's a lot of questions that have to be answered about college football before Georgia plays a home game in Athens, and really even before Georgia plays a game at all. So I think mm-hmm. 
the precedent will be set from around the country of how the how you can operate in the midst of a pandemic before Georgia really has to put that into execution. So maybe there'll be some mistakes that can be avoided because of that. Well, that's good. So, um, you know, there's just always, it's such an ever going, ever changing uh, situation where things are fluctuating, you know, things will spike, things will dip, you know, people think it's, everything's okay. Then, you know, you get a couple outbreaks here and there and then it just throws a whole wrench into it. So, um, what I advise you, what I advise everyone listening to this podcast to do is stay in tune with UGASports.com uh, with Dane and, and the rest of those guys over there. They do, again, again, I can't say enough. They do a tremendous job. So um, it's well worth the $9.99 a month that it takes uh, to uh, to be a member over there. Uh, first class information. Um, so, Dane, I, I really do appreciate you joining me. Uh, great insights on the defense. Um a lot of good things happening and a lot of good content over there at UGA Sports. Dane, I'd love to have you back uh, as much as you want to come back. Corey, I'm available to you. You know how to get in touch with me. I will leave your listeners one thing, though, and that's if you want to be a part of football and see football or even potentially go to football games in the fall, really do consider wearing a mask where you go. I know a lot of people are trying to decide what to do with that. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physician. I'm not saying this from a political standpoint. I'm just saying if it's a half a percent chance that makes football more likely to wear a mask it's probably worth doing it if you really love football and obviously we do because we've done a couple podcasts about it so read up on it make the decision for you personally i choose to wear a mask when i go places but i have uh you know kids that are two and uh, about to have a newborn that's being born too so you know you got to make decisions for your family and do what's best for you but really think about wearing the mask and do your thing all right dane well thank you congrats on the newborn that's uh that's almost here so did I bear uh, the lead? Should we have talked about that more? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should have let the show off with your uh, with your newborn. So um, anyway, Dane, I, I really do appreciate you joining me. Um, again, just check him out, ujsports.com. Thank you, Dane. Thanks, Corey. All right, that was Dane Young from ugasports.com. A lot of great insight over there. You really should check out his segments, Film Don't Lie. Those are, uh, those are a great read. They have visuals uh, where they – where they choose certain motion gifts from the game that illustrate their points and illustrate the key moments in each game, or if they're breaking down a, sp- a specific player, they they find the clips that best accentuate the skill set that they are trying to describe. So a uh, really, really good segment there. Uh, Dane is hopefully going to be a regular on this show. I really enjoyed having him. And, uh, again, uh, go over to ugasports.com. It's a great, great online community. I wasn't lying when I said that. Uh, you'll get a lot of great interaction. You'll get some crazy off-the-wall stuff. Uh, the dog vent is like you living out your very own college football soap opera. It's a lot of fun, well worth the subscription. And, uh, again, while you're at it, subscribe to this podcast, too. You can listen, and you can also read along on the on the dog vent. So, you know, who knows? You, you can interact. You can come full circle with your experience, and it's, it's really awesome. So I uh, just wanted to drop that in there. Wanted to thank Dane again. Uh, again, he's a tremendous guest, and uh, hope to have him back soon. But, uh, again, uh, if you want to give us some feedback, reach out to the show at Believe in Dogs on all social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and you can find us on all your favorite podcast directories. Uh, I'm, I'm an iTunes man myself, so you can find us there. And, uh, you know, I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for listening. Hope you hope to see you back soon. And as always, go dogs. This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.